Thou shalt prosper by Daniel Lapin. One sentence summary. Thou shalt prosper examines the tried and true principles of age-old Jewish tradition for creating a life of wealth, prosperity and integrity and combines them with examples from the modern world of business to help you live a successful life. My favorite quote from the author is You dramatically increase your value to others if you always maintain a calm and pleasant manner. Daniel Lapin After learning that a fair share of my fellow millennials find themselves in a financially unsatisfactory situation due to students' loans, uncertainty, and never being educated about proper money management, I decided to learn and share more about this topic. The personal finance category on this site is malnourished as is, and it's time to change that. Last week, I shared my own approach to financial freedom in its current state, and now I think it's time to learn more. This book felt like a great place to start. Written in 2002 by Rabbi Daniel Lapin, it draws lessons from Jewish religion and tradition about money. Similar to The Richest Man in Babylon, the book draws on stories, metaphors, but also contemporary events and examples to shape your financial perspective in a way that generates wealth. Here are my three favorite lessons. 1. Consider business an object to get away from the belief that it's inherently bad. 2. Root yourself in a few never-changing values, but remain open to change at the same time. 3. Forget retirement, it's an idea society is trying to sell us with little to no benefit. Are you ready for a new look at money seen through some very, very old glasses? Then let's go. Though shall prosper, lesson 1. Think of business as a neutral object. It's not good or bad in its own way, but depends on how people use it. This answers the question, if I'm ethically concerned about conducting business, then how can I still financially succeed? Mark Zuckerberg, Sergey Brin, Larry Page, Gary Vaynerchuk, the list of Jewish entrepreneurs who shaped the globe is long. And I'm starting to understand why. The Jewish perspective on money and business is absolutely perfect to win in a meritocratic system. Jews believe in ethical capitalism, which is to say they think hard work should be rewarded but be predicated on honesty, integrity and a strong moral code. They see business as a means to take care of yourself first so you are then in the best position to give to others. Instead of considering selling as an evil activity, Jewish tradition frames it as a source of creativity, of helping others grow and enable them to do business themselves. Not everyone carries these attitudes and sure, not all of them ever work out perfectly in business. But Jews focus on the positive and don't blame business itself. By considering business as a mere object, a tool that is useless without humans who use it, they remain objective. That lets them hold those accountable who abuse it, instead of condemning business altogether. Though shall prosper, lesson 2. Pick a few values to ground yourself in and then be open to change with anything else. This answers the question, what are some important values to maintain if you want to conduct business? Gary Vee likes to say that winners pull from opposite sides and boy are Jews winners. One of their biggest symbols, the Star of David, is a union of very different ideas, according to one of its many interpretations. The first of the two triangles represents God, humans and the physical world. The second, openness to change. The punchline is that Jews try to embrace and stay rooted in these three core values, while remaining open to whatever changes happen. Ideally, change should come about gradually, which is why religious festivities making a big change, like for marriage or death, usually last several days. This is not just a great attitude towards life, but also a huge advantage in business, 
A solid company always has a great consistent culture, but isn't afraid to change direction fast and often, if necessary, to succeed. Take Disney, for example. They've always been committed to family and child entertainment, but over the years have tried and expanded into lots of other areas and age groups. Changing without changing where it counts is what makes great people and businesses. One of my favorite quotes comes from German poet Hermann Hesse. Roughly translated, it means, stay as you are by continuing to change every day. Thou shall prosper, lesson three. Don't even try to retire. It's an idea built on three lies. This answers the question, is it possible to retire very early? And if so, should you even want that? Religion is a scam. Politics are a scam. Health insurance is a scam. Wall Street is a scam. We throw around the word scam a lot these days, and fast too. Out of the many things we call out this way on a regular basis, few actually deserve those accusations. There is one idea, though, that rarely has to defend its reputation, when actually it might be the time to question it. Retirement. The foundation of the American dream, this end-all, be-all goal most people chase all their lives, might not be the silver bullet most people believe it to be. In fact, Daniel Lappin says it's based on three lies, which have penetrated our culture pretty deeply at this point. Lie number one. Work is just a means to an end. When you only work to work no more, life becomes weary and dull. But work has so much meaning to offer for you and humanity. It can transform us and the world around us, as long as you're doing it right. Lie number two. Old age makes you weak and unproductive. Sure, your physique won't be as good in later years. But your experiences, your network, your skills... They just get better. And lie number three, people are meant to consume, not to create. Just because we don't need to create much today, since everything is supplied to us, doesn't mean we shouldn't. Creation lends meaning to our existence. Don't ever start counting the days and don't ever stop providing value through your work. Live life until the last minute. I'm sure that's not a scam. My personal takeaways from Dosha Prosper for 2017. Okay, I want to preface this by saying that, of course, uh, Jewish religion and Christian religion have a lot of overlap, um, because one split from the other, but historically, um, so so it's natural that I, having grown up as a Christian, share some of these values already. But even if you don't, I think the Jewish religion is the one that hands itself the most to becoming a successful business person. Um, just because of the overall way it's framed. And now historically, for example, Jews have gotten a bad rap before because they invented the banking system. And then there's been this notion of greedy Jews and so on. So business has always been part of their story. And I think now where business is sort of the ultimate achievement um and and the ultimate thing most people aspire to succeeding in business uh, succeeding financially um now that plays out really well for them right historically it meant they were isolated and and persecuted and so on uh and they've had it really rough for a long time the jewish community but it all comes back and now they really thrive right um I mean, some of the, like, there are three people in the, in the top 10 most richest people in the world. Oh, actually, no, the, the Google guys aren't in the top 10, I think. But several among the richest people in the world are Jewish uh, businessmen. So 
And I think that I've had some overlap with these already, just because from what I learned about religion and and how I was shaped as a child um, by religion. So I've naturally gotten some of these, but learning more from this book was super helpful. Uh, and observing people like Zuckerberg and watching speeches and listening to Gary Vaynerchuk a lot and so on has really helped me sort of double down on those and get closer to the Jewish sort of ideal attitude towards business, I guess. Um, obviously, the first one, like if you ever want to succeed, you can't say business is bad or you can't blame people for selling or... I recently saw an example where somebody bought, you know, fidget spinners. There are these little thingies um, that have, ooh, what is that called? Um, a rolling, it's called Kugellager in German. Damn it. There's like a roll inside and, it, and it's meant to balance stuff. And it's a little spinner thingy that you press a button and it spins in your hand. And the trick is, I think, to balance it while it spins or something like that. It's a tool, a gimmick, a, a toy for kids. And they sell for, I don't know, like 5, 10, 15 bucks. And so I saw some kid post somewhere that he found, I don't know, um, he found them online. He could order some like 200 for $1 a pop. Uh, and then he sold them at his school for like $5, $10, right? He asked people how much they would pay and then he provided them. And then instantly people started calling him out saying, like, you're ripping off, blah, blah, blah. And he's not ripping off because that's just the way supply and demand works, right? He sees an opportunity. There's demand for a product with a price willingness of, say, 5 to $10. And he can supply this good at a cheaper price to him because he can order it cheaper because he orders in bulk. And that way he takes on the risk of sitting on the items and then he sells it to them and that's his profit right he's being paid for taking the risk of shipping those goods and so on and it always makes me sad when people discourage young entrepreneurs from doing stuff like that and learning things about selling and business and so on because most of the time these people are usually just bitter because they didn't come up with a similar idea themselves or they've been sitting on their business ideas forever and they think they're super ethical and super oh i'm such a moral person right i don't sell that's just bull crap. Um, so if you ever want to make it, you have to get away from the idea that selling is bad. And I say this as one of the least salesy people I know. The only reason I have even have a shot at this right now is because of the internet and writing and I can sell through email and so on because I would be a horrible salesperson. I would always tell the guy as a car dealer, like, do you really need the car? Like, <laughs> do you really need one? Isn't public transport cheaper? Like, I'm that kind of guy. So uh, this has been tough for me as well, and it continues to be a thing I struggle with, but it's something I will have to get over or I am getting over um, because I know that's the only way to succeed, right? To get what I want. Um, then again, not, not uh, giving up your core values for that is important, right? And that's the part where the Jews are really ground and say like, no, 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 it has to be honest. It has to be about integrity, uh, have to be has to be done in a moral way. Business has to be a win-win situation for both parties, and so on. Right. So keep those things high, keep those standards high, and then be flexible about the rest. And lastly, uh, the retiring idea. I think that's the biggest idea probably in this book, and that's probably the most important one as well. There are so many stories of people who have retired and who went miserable because they lost their work and their work 
I mean, it's logical, right? I mean, it's only, it's 100% rational. Imagine it. You go to a place to work there. You spend 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours a week there, or even more if you consider the getting there and getting dressed and so on and eating lunch with your colleagues and so on. You spend like three quarters of your life or, or 70% or so at work. And from one day to the next, you take that away. Like, what's going to happen? Of course, if you take the number one pillar from your life away, it's going to crumble. What else is going to happen? Um, and I'm not going to be one of those guys who, like, retires at 65 and walks home and then three weeks later falls over dead in his garden because he's so bored. No, no, no. Not going to be me. Um, you can always work less when you get older. Uh, you can always work on things you enjoy more out of pure enjoyment, but you should never stop working altogether. I really believe that. You can take longer vacations. That's all fine, right? You can do mini retirements earlier in your life. That's all fine. But if you think that like one day there will be a day when all you have to do is get up and lie around and read books and watch TV, that's never going to happen. And you don't even want that to happen. It's going to make you miserable. So instead of thinking about retirement, I would, I, I, I actually, I, I haven't used that word retirement. Sometimes I jokingly say I want to retire by 40, but what I really mean is I want to be free. So instead of the word retirement, I try to use the word freedom. The, the place I want to get to is freedom. The freedom to choose my work. The freedom to choose when I work. The freedom to choose with whom I work. And so on, right? So the freedom to make those choices, and that's much more important to me than this whole like freedom of time thing, right? Um, so freedom of time is important too in that as it serves that work purpose, but freedom of uh, freedom in work is much, much bigger than this sort of financial freedom we think of when we say retirement. So if you are moving towards retirement already, maybe, I would highly encourage you to think about what you will do with sort of the second half of your life, um, what you will spend that time with, uh, if you're not and you are working hard towards retirement or an early retirement, I would also consider you think about that gap because the same thing happens. I've, I've heard it from a couple of people, Mimi Icon, Ned Eliasson, people who have achieved a sort of four-hour workweek lifestyle where they have money coming in, lots of it, and they don't need to work very much to keep, to maintain it. And then they suddenly fall into a hole because what do you fill the void with? Like, what do you do? And it's really a problem. So think about that because retirement creates the same thing. Whether you have a lot of money or very little, doesn't matter. Once you have it's like 70% more time than you used to, that's rough. Um, and that's hard to deal with. So prepare well for it. Uh, currently, I feel like I would never get bored, but I'm sure at one point in my life, I'm going to hit that point as well. And it's going to be interesting. So Screw retirement. I would say I would say have fun to the last minute. Live life as long and as fully as you can. And if that's the only thing you take away from this book summary, then I think that's a job I've done well. I will see you on the next one and hope you enjoy.